There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I just think it's an enticement. It's not rocket science. It can be done. I truly believe it can. It's wanton destruction. It's also illegal. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. to listen to that than then this. But, hey, listen, that's where we're headed. It seems to be coming home anyway, at least they think it was. Were you out last night watching that match? Uh, were you with any frantic English supporter watching the game? Was it even a penalty? Because half the world thinks it wasn't and anybody who's an England supporter thinks it was. But look, they're in the final. It's in Wembley. Can it be any closer to coming home than that? I was in town last night, and I don't think there was a lot of people watching the match. There's a few of the pubs have outdoor screens, but I think most people just getting on with things and hoping Denmark would win. I... Ah, listen, it's... Un... And by the way, Trevor, our own Trevor Welsh, was on the show with me before all this kicked off, and he mentioned uh, three teams... I can't remember who the third one was, but England and Italy were two of them. And there they are in the final. He's our man for the predictions, is Trevor. Good morning to you. Thursday morning, 1850-715-996. Did you know there's a ton of stuff, a whole pile of stuff that you're not going to be able to buy anymore uh, from the last couple of days? Officially, the ban kicked in. You can't buy now. You're not supposed to be able to buy cotton buds. Uh, plastic cutlery straws they've all been banned all been banned under a new EU, EU directive but I've been talking to someone in a little while who thinks that we should also know stop selling those plastic face masks the little blue ones not because not, but because they've been left around the place they've left all over the place we've seen them but before that 
I remember first reading about injectable tanning. Oh God, it was a couple of years ago now. It was around 2019. In fact, I found the article uh, this morning again. It was an article I read in the Sun back in the summer of 2019. I might even have been in, on holidays myself at the time, or not long back from holidays. It was a warning about a drug called Melanotan, or the Barbie drug, that people apparently inject to change the colour of their skin. I'd never heard of this. I take my beta-carotene food additive to protect my skin in the summertime. I'd never heard of Melanotan Barbie drug. What use would I have of it? But at the time, I remember the NHS in Britain was warning against them because they hadn't been properly tested. And it was advising people not to take them for any number of reasons. Now, apart from the fact that it's an unnatural treatment of your body's pigmentation and all that, but you can get nasty side effects from it. And then, uh, was it earlier this year, a woman, young woman called Jenna Vickers from Bolton had died. Uh, She collapsed in a tanning salon and she subsequently died. And she had been using tanning injections a few weeks earlier. Now, I don't know whether the two were actually connected, but it certainly did hit the headlines. And now I see our own Dr. John Sheehan is warning not to use them. And John, I know they're not available officially in Ireland, but you're telling me that they're on the streets of Cork and they're being used. Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, unfortunately, they are, PJ. And the reason I suppose this came to light is that during COVID, we didn't see anyone... um, who presented with these projects, possibly because there was nowhere to go, there was no functions happening, there was nothing to do. So whether someone was tanned or not didn't seem to make a huge difference. But now that we're coming out of lockdown, we're seeing people now who are going to sunbed more and also we've come across a couple of people who are injecting um, um, these products. And really we just want to highlight the fact that, one, they're they're not regulated, they're they're bought on the internet, so you have no idea what you're injecting into your body. Two, you might be, you know, making sure that you're using clean needles and things like that. And then also, I suppose, what happens is people think that they're immune to the sun almost and that they won't burn and they won't increase their risk of skin cancer, which certainly isn't the case, you Mm. know. And this seems to happen in younger people, particularly some younger females uh, around the 16, 18 age group. And it's just not good for them, uh, PJ. I speak like an old man now, but that's the reality. I mean, you know, 10 years down the line, the damage to their skin will be substantial. Yeah. Like, well, speak like a doctor. Don't mind young or old, John. And, and that's what our doctors m- must do for us. I remember I went back to that article. It was a 2019 article in The Sun warning or saying that the NHS was warning against it in the UK. What, what damage does... I mean? melanotan, like what does it actually do in the body? It basically stimulates the melanocytes. So the melanocytes are the things that produce the melanin, which is the thing that gives people the tan. So the idea behind this is that if you inject this product, it will stimulate your body to produce uh, the melanin that gives you the tan in your body. And then also the the theory behind it is that if you inject uh, these products, you go to the sunbed and you tan more. That's the theory. The reality is, one, you have no idea what you're injecting. So this could be just absolutely nothing. It could be some of this product. It could be a mixture of both. But you have absolutely no idea what you're injecting into your body because this is just bought online over the Internet and you you know, you just no idea what you're doing. And is that because there's no legitimate, to use that word, outlet selling them? 
Yeah, that, uh, that, that's essentially it. So, so it's used for other things, um, but it's not certainly used for um, um, for tanning. So, but some people can get them then. I think in health food shops and by friends and things like that. So there seems to be sort of a word of mouth sort of um, network uh, with it as well, and that's concerning. And when you're young, I suppose you, you know image is a big thing. You know, there's no pale people on Love Island, PJ, and um, <laughs> so you know having a tan is you know part of. I suppose maybe a look and an image and, you know, everyone has been young and, that, you know, that can be very important when you're young. But the damage that you're doing unknowing to yourself um, could be substantial down the line and really that's why we just wanted to highlight it. It's not a huge problem, but the people who are doing it are certainly putting themselves at risk. Fergal's been doing some research on it and he reckons it comes in about 20 bucks for the kit and sometimes you even have to mix it yourself. That's all sorts of danger there. It's huge danger. So, you know, yeah, are, are the syringes sterile? What are you injecting into yourself? Could it be a tainted product? Could you react locally to it? You know, I've seen pictures of people who have reacted, their skin has reacted locally and they're kind of permanently stained their skin. So, you know, all of these things are, are at risk. And really, there there is no need. There's, you know, there's huge amounts of fake hand products that are fantastic now. That converted to hand sanitizers during the pandemic, but was making fake tan they make about 70 percent of the fake tan in ireland for different companies you know and they're fantastic products and no one could tell the difference and really that's what i would encourage people to and, and have you seen anybody in the surgery john who, who's had a bad experience with this stuff i have unfortunately um now usually they tend to come down with uh, you know something else and then in the course of the con- uh, conversation this may this may come up so i i have had come across some people who have injected themselves and they just felt very sick and very unwell. And then, of course, they had all this uncertainty. What was in the product? Did I take something else? Did it affect my system? So they've all that kind of nervousness then um, afterwards. So that really just isn't a good, a good way to go. Yeah, yeah. And, like, could it do long-term damage? It could, unfortunately. Scarring, like. It, it could scar the area because your body could react locally to it. Um, you're injecting something. You're probably not, most people aren't used to injecting themselves. And then also, what what else is in the product? So that's the difficulty. So if there's some melatonin in it, it's usually mixed in with some other mixing agent, and you've no idea what that is. So your body could react to that locally, and you end up with these sort of lumps um, underneath your skin. Yeah. So it may and have this sort of opposite effect to the you know what you want yeah. from it. And I'd say people might be a bit embarrassed then to say it to anybody. Yeah, they really are because no one wants to admit, uh, you know, that they were taking it and they feel they're going to be lectured. And really what we would say to people is, you know, if you're worried, ask, talk about it, you know, um, you know, ask the questions because you're better off asking the questions rather than going around with these big worries um, mm. in your mind. Because I think a lot of people would say, all right, look, I've done it, right? And I'm a bit worried about my arm or my leg or whatever. And, and, and I, I really don't want to go down to the doctor because I don't want him to call me a gobshite. Really, most GPs will just say, okay, look, let's fix it now if we can. We won't worry about how it got there. Let's fix it now. Is That, that is the answer. Yeah, that's the answer. I mean, you know, all we want is people to be well, to be safe and to be healthy. You know, everyone does different things in our lives. So, you know, they won't, you know, no one will be judged. No one will be given out. No one will be given a lecture. You know, but all we want is people to be safe and to be informed and to make the right decisions. All right. Speaking of safe and well, John, uh, numbers up again last evening. Real danger now of being at uh, a thousand cases a day by the 19th or 20th of July. Admittedly, the vaccination programme is flying now at this point. 
Um, should we be should we be worried or should we just be careful? I think we should be careful. Um, the numbers are, are 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 going up. There's no doubt about that. But that is countered by the vaccinations and the hospitalisation numbers and the ICU numbers. You know, they've gone up a little bit, but no, nothing compared to January. So if we can keep, you know, uh, the vaccination programme has been one of the big successes of COVID. You know, it is going out very, very well. And, it, you know, as we get down to that lower age group, who are probably the more mobile, more active um, um, individuals, you know, the more people we protect, it mm. stops the virus spreading and it reduces down then when people have it the risk of them being very unwell. So, you know, I think we just keep plowing on. And you can see the caution, yeah. you know, why people are just cautious. I know we look at our, our neighbours across the water and, you know, all that they're doing, but you will be concerned that there's going to be a big spike. Um, and my fear, PJ, is there will be a lot of people who will get this and who won't be that sick and will be fine, but they may have long COVID afterwards. Yeah. They may not have to be admitted, but they may just be absolutely wrecked then yeah. for six eight months afterwards. What seems very encouraging, and this is purely as an observer John, maybe you'd back it up the the fact that young people in particular are practically queuing up now that they're able to get a vaccine. Yeah, the enthusiasm is, is, is great and I think they have been the unsung heroes of this whole process. They have sacrificed possibly nearly the most for people who were probably at the lowest risk. Their whole lives were changed around. All the rites of passage have all been you know, gone, and they have really just gone on with it. And I think of any group, they deserve, you know, the vaccine more than anyone. And it would really would be, I, I think it would be an awful shame if we as a society then have this sort of, you, if you have a vaccine, you can get in. If you're not vaccinated yet, you can't get into different places, particularly when young people are the last to be vaccinated and they have sacrificed so much. All right, John, thank you very much, Dr. John Sheehan. Uh, this stuff is on the streets of Cork. Thanks, John. This stuff is on the streets of Cork. It's called Melanotan, or Mel for short. And the bit of research that we have is, the, the, the bit of problem that we have is that it's just on sale, unregulated, unwatched, if you want. There's no, they're making it up themselves and sticking it in. And it's dangerous. It is very, very dangerous. Uh, keep an eye out for it. Melanotan or Mel. 1850 715 996. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread. 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. I'm here to fly you through your afternoon in Cork with all your favourite tunes from the biggest names and you know I'm good for unreal prizes. Fabulous, thank you so much. Would you like a new iPad? <laughs> yes please, thank you. So if you're in the car, at work or just need something to help the day go by, make sure you join me. Oh my God, I remember watching that. Yeah, those Disney classics like The Little Mermaid. Under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. on Cork's 96 FM. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Kevin is on about the match. And I'd said at the start, like, is there anything more annoying than football coming home? Which are looked at in the final now. We can't begrudge it to them. I can't begrudge it to them. I can't. Uh, and you know why I can't? Because I'd feel like an awful hypocrite if I did. Because we sit down, a lot of us, the weekend, during the week, 
Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Monday, whatever night they're on, we watch England and English clubs, English clubs and English players every week in the Premier League. We follow Liverpool, we follow Man United, we follow Chelsea, we follow Leicester, Leeds. We follow all these clubs, West Ham, follow all these clubs, Everton, few Evertonians in the building, Spurs. And for to do that, and it's just, just throwing it out there before I go on to something else, just throwing, throwing it out there. If you're one of the people who follows any of these clubs phonetically, and you're now moaning about the fact that England are in the major final for the first time since 1966. And yes, they haven't shut up about that final since then. I know. But you're a bit of a hypocrite, aren't you, really? To be supporting Man U or Liverpool or Chelsea or any of them. And giving out because England are in the final. I'm, I'm delighted for England and their fans this morning. It means little or nothing to me personally. But I'm thrilled that they're in the final. Will I watch it on Sunday? Probably not. Uh, but I'll probably have something else to watch. But I'm delighted for them. 1850 says, Kate thinks it was a disgrace. They shouldn't be proud. It was a dishonest win. Well, there is that about the penalty, uh, certainly. Uh, and they're going to win all the gold medals at the Olympics in the diving pool. But listen, that's just begrudgery. As of the last couple of days, you can't buy or you won't be able to buy cotton buds, cutlery, plastic cutlery, plastic plates, stirrers, you know, those little plastic things, chopsticks, plastic chopsticks, and we wouldn't stop, um, plastic straws, although there's a lot of recycled plastic straws around. Tesco's have their own brand that they've brought out, and they're great. Uh, these polystyrene food and bevy containers, and many other plastic products that are single-use, the EU has issued a directive and it comes into effect in this country since the other day. And over the next couple of years, by January 2023, the drink bottles themselves have to change because they've got to have a certain amount of recycled plastic in the, in the process and all of that. But this is just where we're going. Plastic will be, well, single-use plastic will be a thing of the future or a thing of the past not too far as soon into the future, if you know what I'm trying to say. But John Carmody of, of Aaron, th- there's something that, um, that we're missing. Good morning. Good morning to PJ. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. Top of the world now, actually, at the minute, PJ, yeah. Um, you mean an England can fan? Me, can you hear me okay? I am. Can you be an England okay. fan? <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you're top of the world? <laughs> No, it's my birthday. <laughs> oh, happy birthday, John. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but there's, there's something not on that list that you're worried about. Well, you know, it's good news because I suppose this was needing to, to come like 10 years ago or 20 years ago but because we're all kind of familiar with how plastics are creating havoc in, in this world. And I've just seen a documentary in the last couple of days actually um, about the amount of it that's, that's in our waterways in, in very minute particles. And that's frightening. That's something that I didn't know myself what was going on, you know. So I think it's going to be welcomed by a lot of people who, who care about the environment but also about the animals who this impacts as well. Mm. We've seen so many distressing pictures of swans caught in plastic and fish with plastic in their stomachs and all that kind of thing. Whales with fishing gear stuck yeah. in their mouths, cats with um, those beer can uh, rings wrapped around their necks choking yeah. them. 
and fishing lines and fishing hooks, which are the most obvious ones that we're all probably aware of, that are literally littering our beaches at the minute. Um, and that's causing havoc all over the world as well in, in our oceans. And of course, the, the good old beer cans and yeah. the, 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 the soda cans as well, as well, they, well they're causing havoc. The, pa- the plastic things, yeah, hold, holding them together. But something else that's bothering you at the moment is the number of single-use face masks just getting dumped. Well, here's... Like, wasn't this bound to happen, if you think about it? This was the next thing that was going to happen. And I knew when this came, um, came out last year, and of course we have to wear them at the minute, and I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good idea to wear them at the minute, considering what's going on with this COVID thing. And we've all a pain in our head from listening about that COVID um, situation at the minute. But they're being abandoned everywhere. You can't go for a little walk on the side of the, the stream or the rivers, PJ. Uh, you're, you're in around town and you can see them just mm. dumped in bushes and everything else. I have to say, um, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, I've seen a couple of them floating on the lock. Like, what, what kind of stupidity is that? Well, here's the thing now, you see, and like, that's grand for us. We can just step over them or even stand on top of them and walk on. And that's probably what most of us will do, as a matter of fact. Um, well, you're not going to touch them, John, because you don't know who's had them. You don't know no, what you might catch not. off them. Of course not. Now, it's no, the no, one I... thing you're not going to pick up and put in the nearest bin is a discarded face face mask. Because <laughs> You're not. Yeah. And that's the thing, you see. And I'm mean, sure why would we? Like, it wasn't us, this, and it's down to personal responsibility, I think. But the, the problem here, again, is, like, it's wildlife and stuff I'm worrying about here as well with the local, like, wildlife. They're living in the bushes along the rivers and the, that are going to be ingesting these little things or even getting caught up in them as well. Yeah. So that's going to be the problem. And even these small little kind of um, kind of lizard-like little nudes that live on beaches and stuff like that. We we have them in this country, actually. I, don't, I can't think of the name off the top of my head, Peter. But, I mean, again, they're all the little animals that will probably end up either trying to eat into them or get caught up in them. Um, and this is going to cause another bit of a, a headache yeah. as well. So I suppose the answer really is to kind of in them when you need the, to the other them. thing about them and it's it's not you someone else pointed this out to me very early on in the whole face mask wearing thing that those blue ones in particular that get dumped they will last as long as a plastic bag in the environment because there's plastic in them a lot of plastic in them that wouldn't surprise me and now you're just after educating me on that because I and do you know what it doesn't surprise me um, and I think that's that's the next problem that we're going to have. Again, it's all down to personal responsibility, I think, and a bit more education on these things as well. And hopefully with the news that came out yesterday, um, I was following up on the Irish Examiner article on this as well. So it's kind of good news. It's progressive news as well. And I think we're definitely shifting in the right uh, direction when it comes to all this. There's more awareness out there, PJ, now, I think, in terms of plastic use, um, our use of animals and being a bit more considerate of the environment as well so we can take something away from this one I think. Alright, okay, and you're, you're, it's your birthday, you're not an England fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you, you don't want me to sort of give this an old lash, you, you, don't, you don't want to hear an old blast of you know, football coming home I and all that. I no more interest in it, I went for food last night with my friends and we went into a bar afterwards for a little while and there was this match on and I didn't even know what was going on quite frank with you. Oh, man, so, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, John. Always good to speak with you. Yeah, take, take care of yourself. That's John Carmody. Uh, 1857-15996. Don't just, I've come across them right, left and centre. I've seen them in the lock. I've seen them when I'm out for a walk. It is the most inconsiderate thing other than a bag of dogs when well, we talked about that yesterday. But it 
Ely is inconsiderate to just take the mask off your face and fling it into the ditch. You know, why Why will you do that? No one's going to pick that up for you. And why should they have to pick it up for you? Sheila says they'll want to ban toilet paper next. One thing that they could do it being banned are nappies, those um, disposable nappies. So we should go back to the old cloth nappies. Oh, sweet God, Sheila. I, the old cloth nappies, they're probably very environmentally friendly. But it's long enough now since I was changing nappies. But the thoughts of having to use cloth, I'd still be wiping shit off my hands. I couldn't. I wouldn't have a clue what to do with an old cloth nappy from long ago. On the plastic thing, we all know that packaging has to change. We all know that, you know, a single issue plastic, those things rings around the cans and all that. That's got to go. But a message please to our good friends in Coca-Cola and other such companies which please invent an alternative that lasts until you can get the blasted things out to the car. That would be good. The new Coke cans in the cardboard boxes, they look great and the cardboard thing around the top looks fantastic until you try to take it out to the car and they're all over the car park. 1850 Well, please, when you are using and wearing one of those disposable face masks, please just be wary of where you dump it. Take it home and put it in the proper bin. Speaking of which, we're all going to get a letter from the council now telling us what goes in what bin and not to put the bin out with the lid open. That's also something I must get to before 12. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairymaid Premium Spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96 FM. <laughs> I like that one. That's a good one. Uh, Tim Brosnan says I'll tell you when Corkonians will cheer for England when they play the dubs Kevin uh, my better half is still buzzing her first World Cup watching England was 86 and she said to me she'd never thought she'd see England in a final in her lifetime lots of family and friends over there in ecstasy as well the media is going a bit OTT but the vast majority of people are enjoying it. Also, the vast majority of people are behind the taking of the knee. The rainbow laces worn by Jordan Henderson. The fact that Marcus Rashford has taken on the child poverty issue. People are going with them. Yeah, there's a minority of plunkers booing the anthems. Every country has them. And that is true. That is true. There's a minority booing the anthems. but for And, there are, and they are everywhere. Um... But yeah, I, I have to say, I, I, I must say that um, I would be happy for anyone, any England supporters around me. Um, <laughs> then there's this one. Um, no use in England bringing it home as Pretty Patel will only deport it inside 24 hours. 
Nice one. Okay, I want to read this because earlier in the week, uh, Mick Barry was on the show, Solidarity TD for Cork North Central, talking about the Erlingus workers. And he is presently trying to get um, government support for an idea that Erlingus would keep the workers on when the airport closes for, I think, 10 weeks later in the year. And I was discussing it with him in terms of, you know, the taxpayer covering that cost and that he wants to have the support scheme, the pandemic support scheme, extended to pay the workers for that nine or ten weeks and that Aer Lingus would also keep them on. And I was saying, well, maybe that's... and that their terms and conditions would be the same at the end of it all. And I was saying, well, that's probably a job for their unions to negotiate. But Mick was arguing, well, look, actually, no, that is down to the government to sit down with Aer Lingus and say, well, you have had shed loads of money to protect you through the pandemic. Now you need to give something back to these workers while they're off for 10 weeks. And we were just tossing it back and forth on the phone, as you do on this program, is the nature of it. But I got a, an email from someone who has asked me, I have the name, but I've been asked not to give the name, and it explains itself later as to why. Hi PJ, I hope this email finds you well. I work as cabin crew for Aer Lingus in Cork for the past 21 years. At the start of COVID, I and all my colleagues were put on 50% pay to protect jobs. This was mainly paid by the government through the TWSS. As you can imagine, to be cut down to half your wages had its own difficulties. Then in September 2020, we changed over to the EWSS. So we were entitled to claim part-time job seekers, so we got €40 Euros a day for the days we didn't work. Might not seem a lot, but it really eased our financial worries. Sadly, we're only entitled to this for nine months, and then there's a mean-tested payment which applies. Personally, I'm married, so I won't be entitled because my husband works. So basically, come September, I'll have no income at all. I'm 43, and I've worked since I was 16. The only other time I claimed any social welfare benefit was when I was on maternity leave. I feel I'm being thrown under the bus, PJ, by both Aer Lingus and the government, having spent my life working and contributing to society. I recently went to my dentist to get my teeth cleaned, only to find that because my PRSI had lapsed, I wasn't entitled to my yearly free clean. Then, to add insult to injury, Aer Lingus sent us an internal email to say they want to become a more transient airline. They only want people on minimum wage for two to three years. Now, I haven't seen that email, but I'm going to take this person at their word. I'm sure you can imagine how hurtful this is to me, who's given 21 years service and helped to make it the four-star airline it is today. What is this but a race to the bottom? If Erlingus continues, and this is the point that McBarry was making, if Erlingus continues the EWSS for the runway closure, it'll cost them less than fifty euro a week for each employee. If they lay us off, we'll also have no PRSI contributions. That will affect our dental, eye and sick leave entitlement for the foreseeable future. I feel, PJ, you were particularly hard on us Erlingus workers yesterday. We honestly don't want to be in this situation. The original plan was to close the airport at night over nine months. Aer Lingus would be paid compensation by the DAA to close for 12 weeks. So passenger numbers are going to be down for the rest of the year. And it really is pandemic related. 
please don't read out my name as we have a social media policy that strictly forbids us from speaking to the media. Kind regards, a very concerned Aer Lingus worker. Well, straight away, you know what, every day is a school day in this game and the impact of the change in your wage structure as you outline it to me means that I really need to rethink where I stood the other day. And if I came across as not caring about you, then I apologize for that. Absolutely do. I reckoned your union has a duty here to make sure that your terms and conditions are protected while you're off. I stand over that. I feel it's a job of your union to make sure that when you come back after the layoff, that everything is as it was. Everything. I feel that's a job for your union and they need to do it. But in terms of support from government for this layoff... Yeah. I'm on side. John comes back on WhatsApp with the old defence. The old defence of when I say, if you're going to support Man United or Chelsea or Liverpool or Spurs or West Ham or Everton or Leicester, you name it. If you're going to support those clubs, then you're a hypocrite if you don't support England. John comes back with the old answer to that, which doesn't wash for me. But anyway, we don't support English soccer clubs. We support international clubs that have players from all over the world, including Ireland. They're still English soccer clubs, John. You still pay to fly over. You pay for tickets. You pay for the burgers and the pints. You spend money in Manchester or in Leeds or in London to go and see a soccer club in England. So then when England are in the final of the European Championship, if you're not supporting them, then you're a bit of a hypocrite. Now, if you happen to support Roma or Juventus or one of the Italian greats, then off you go and support Italy. But I think anyone who finds going to throw this out there for what it's worth now, anybody who supports an English club should be supporting England next Sunday. Yeah? Yeah, Absolutely. 1850-715-996. Interesting article I read in the Examiner in the last few days about these pilot events that are up and running around the country. I'm going to one actually on Saturday night. I'm quite looking forward to it. I'm going to the Opera House uh, to their pilot event and I'll have a, an audio report here on Monday or Tuesday. But that's that's a by the way. Excitement is growing, obviously, at the thought of going to a gig or a trip to the theatre, a return to something that looks like normal. But for a large section of our society, a return to normal would mean returning to a world where they can't get to see these events. Uh, Julie, explain. Good morning to me. Hi, PJ. How are you doing? Hi. This is for people who need accessibility assistance. And it's not there in our theatres and our venues. Yeah, so I suppose it isn't always there. And in, in uh, ordinary times, I suppose, as we're now calling them, um, accessibility would have been difficult for a lot of people to get to uh, venues and gigs and things like that. And just general access to the arts, it would have been, would have been an afterthought for a lot of people uh, with disabilities. For instance, in a lot of venues, you know, there's only a small number of accessible places or they're in a they're in a certain spot in the in the theater and you can't necessarily you know be with a group of people that 
that you have have come to the theatre with and lots of different issues like that. So I suppose during the pandemic, uh, when a lot of um, arts offerings went online, um, it kind of opened up that world a lot more to uh, disabled people to be able to access the art itself. Mm. Um, So we would like that we would learn from that and I suppose carry that forward and a really important message around this is that people have choice you know because if there's access to the arts for disabled people you know online there's access for everybody online and then more people access the arts. So are you suggesting Julie that the online option should continue to be there or that venues would make more of an effort to allow people to get in physically? Well, I think a bit of both would be lovely Um, if, you know, in an ideal world. I think there definitely should be um, continued funding for the online offerings so that if people aren't able to get to a venue or to access a venue safely on a particular, um, for a particular event, that they do have the option to access it online. Mm. Um, And we really learned how, how people can thrive in the access area during the pandemic. For instance, Inclusion Ireland had a a Rice to Connect conference in 2020 where people with intellectual disabilities um, uh, I suppose spoke about um, digital connection and there was 150 um, self-advocates with intellectual disabilities participated in that. So it really showed when people had the access to um, the the digital world that they were um, able to really thrive in that area and of course that's really important in the area of the arts but also we need to I suppose realise that there is a digital divide and that some people still haven't had the appropriate access to technology so that's why the development in this area is really important because we've seen how good it can be yeah. and that we need to continue the development in it. Like someone with a disability, we'll, we'll, we'll choose a wheelchair user as an example, right? Yeah, I, I so, use a wheelchair okay. myself, well, so you're, I you're, can't you're, speak you're about that. You're the perfect example, Julie. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. knew that, but anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, so, Julie, you see a show coming up in a theatre, uh, Everyman, yeah. Opera House, wherever. You think, I really want to see that show. Now, yeah. if I really want to see that show, I just get online, I book my pair of tickets, and off with me. How yeah. is it different for you? Um, well, first of all, you can't generally book a wheelchair spot online. Um, you have to ring up and specifically um, request the wheelchair spot. And as I said, in a lot of venues, I don't want to name ones in particular. No, that's why I didn't there. This is This is a general issue and it's across the country, across Cork for sure, um, that there are only a number of spaces available. So there have been plenty of times in, in all Cork venues where I've been wishing and hoping for a ticket and um, just there have, you know, there haven't been a wheelchair ticket available because maybe there's only... Uh, four or five or six available. Um, Some of the bigger venues obviously Mm. um, would have had more than that and you'd have more of a chance. But I definitely have been disappointed far far too Mm. often for my liking. Because I often looked at seating plans, you know, and seating arrangements in theatres, particularly newer theatres. And I would have thought that it, it wouldn't be rocket science, shall we say, for the last two seats on any row to just lift out so that you can put in... A wheelchair, but that doesn't exist in a lot of places. Yeah, or just to, uh, you know, some of the bigger venues in Dublin now uh, just have have the space 
um, available on yeah. the edges, like you say, or even sometimes in the centre, and they're left um, they're left vacant. And then if somebody doesn't need to use it, a chair is put in um, for somebody that doesn't need the accessibility. And, you know, that that's really inclusive then because it's kind of like, well, it doesn't matter who comes to our door, we can yeah. accommodate you And you, you probably all. missed an awful lot of stuff you really wanted to see because of there was being no availability of a wheelchair space. Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, it's it's something, unfortunately, that we've had to get used to over the years. So it's something that I know that if I'm, if I'm um, you know, looking for a ticket for a gig, for instance, that I may not, may not get one. Mm. Um, and it's just, a, you, you take the chance, you know. And the idea, for example, of a video stream, I, I like that idea in that, and it serves everyone. It serves you in that you will get to see the gig and it serves, particularly in a sold out event, you know, put it online for, and pay for a link to put it online. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that there's a few aspects to that, PJ. It allows us to support the arts further than, than we can often do because if we don't get a ticket for a gig now, we, we don't buy the ticket, we don't support that hmm. um, event. Whereas if there was an online stream, obviously from you know, a, a less amount of money maybe, then we would still um, support that event and be able to look online. And there have been times, I will give you an example, like for a lot of people with physical disabilities in particular, you know, fatigue might be, uh, or, you know, illness might be a um, a factor in their lives. So you might have a ticket to, to that gig that you've been really looking forward to and not be able to go at the last minute, mm-hmm. um, whether it's due to your health or due to transport or due to access. You know, lots of things can happen. So it would be really nice, I suppose, to have that backup option and be able to access the arts whenever you want to. Okay. Now, I will be honest, PJ, you know, there's nothing like... No. A, the atmosphere of actually being at an event yeah. um, and obviously we want to to be at as many as we can but as I was saying earlier I think the choice is is really the thing that can enhance things for disabled people and you know I suppose this development would really be a nod to inclusion and real inclusion for everybody Okay, alright, always good to speak with you Julie Helen, a wheelchair user the difference between you and me and someone in a wheelchair like Julie or people with another form of disability trying to get a ticket just to see a gig at the Opera House or the Everyman or the Marquee or wherever you want to go. The differences are here. And I love the idea. And I'm going to say this out loud. I love the idea, particularly for sold out stuff like, say, Christmas Panto or big gigs in the Marquee or big nights in the Everyman. There's absolutely no reason I would think why you couldn't put an online stream on additionally to the sold-out show. It means we can all get to see it as well as anyone who has mobility issues can watch it at home. Great idea. 1850-715-996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Really enjoyed that conversation with Julie. So too did Anne-Marie. Some great points. Very well made by Julie. 
I really hope online streaming is continued, uh, but alongside further inclusion in venues themselves, we need to see the best of both worlds. Well, that's just a simple idea, Anne-Marie, where I saw it done in the design of a theatre. It was a documentary I was watching where at each end of the two rows of seats, I, the, the last seat or the seat next to it, just literally folded away. They just pulled it out of the ground and in went a wheelchair. And there was a little barrier so the wheelchair wouldn't wouldn't roll away or anything like that in, t- in tiered seating. There's that way of doing it. And then if some, if no one needs, a wheel, needs to get a wheelchair in there, they just put the two seats back in or the one seat back in. That's one way of doing it. But definitely the idea that you'd have more live streaming. It benefits everybody. It benefits, obviously, people with accessive accessibility issues. It also benefits people, I think, with sight issues because sitting next to a fine big telly in your living room is a lot more comfortable than sitting at the back of a theatre trying to focus on what's going on on stage if you have if you sight problems. But then for the rest of us who couldn't get a ticket to see the show... It's brilliant because, well, oh God, that Saturday night is sold out. Such and such a gig is sold out. But look, oh, listen, for half price or for a tenner or 15 quid, I could buy a link. That's great. And we can sit and watch it at home. All that, I think, I completely agree with you. It should continue after the pandemic. 1850-715-996. Now, we had a... An email or a, a message about it's a week or two ago now uh, just came in uh, apropos of nothing in the middle of the show. Uh, this uh, guy right mess, called actually, I think, to say, I grind my teeth at night. No dentist seems to take it seriously. I only recently discovered that you can get Botox injections for this. Is it done in Cork? Because nobody has ever offered it to me. We were tossing around for a day or two. What will we do with this? Because it's actually called, I think, bruxism. This is this uncontrolled grinding of teeth in your sleep. If you know someone or sleep with anyone who does it, you know it's it's incredibly annoying. But it's dangerous for them too. It's, it's a big problem. And I wonder how much of it is out there. So... The lads did a bit of legwork and we tracked down Paul Brady. And Paul is a consultant oral surgeon in the dental hospital here in Cork. Paul, good morning. Good morning. And thanks for being available to us this morning. No, it's no bro- Bruxism is the technical term, isn't it? How common is it? Oh, it's quite common. Um, you know, it's, it's what we call a parafunctional habit where uh, people grind their teeth excessively. Uh, tends to happen at night time. It's uh, what we call nocturnal bruxism. Uh, other types of uh, similar parafunctional habits would be things like clenching. So Paul, really, uh, Paul just, just one moment. Sorry to cut across you. I'm going to have to see if we can't clean up that phone line because I want to spend a few minutes with you and it's, it's a bit mucky. Maybe, Fergal, we could have a chat with, with Paul there and see if we can't clean up that phone line because it's, it's extremely muddy. And I do want to spend a few minutes talking about this because, as you said, it is very common and you, you, may, you may share a house with someone who does it. You may do it yourself. You may be concerned because if it gets really bad, you can break or damage your teeth and damage your jaws and stuff, just to see if we can just uh, tidy it up a tiny little bit. While I have a moment, we're all going to get a letter now uh, telling us how to put out our bins. We're going to get an information leaflet from the council 
about her waste presentation bylaws. This is on the back of that woman who was fined there last week. And she's appealing it, so we won't name her or go into too much detail about the case. But it did make the paper. She put out her bins and the bin was open, partially open, because obviously she had a lot of stuff in it and she had left the bin partly open and she she's facing a fine and that's that'll pan out as it pans out. But we're now going to get a leaflet in the post, all of us, telling us effectively how to fill our bins. And we're going to get a little poster with it or a little two-page handout. One side of it, very useful, uh, this full list of what can and can't go in your recycling bin, which I think is, is a good idea. Also, the hours when you can put your bin out in the city centre, you can't put your bin out in the evening for the following day. I wonder if anybody actually follows that particular rule. You can outside. But then there will then be, at the end of it, this reminder to us that you're not supposed to overload the bin. The lid of the bin is to be closed. So you're not supposed to put a wheelie bin out a bit like maybe 45 degrees or 20 degrees or 30 degrees. You're not supposed to do that. So they're going to remind us of that in the letter. And also, if you have an extra bag, which you might have, like, you might have an extra bag now and again, neither are you allowed to tie that bag up neatly and put it at the top of the bag or beside the bag. That's bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. Okay. Six, is it, Virgil? Thank you very much. I think we've got Paul on a better line now. This is Paul Brady, a consultant oral surgeon at the Dental Hospital. Paul, we should have cleaned that up by now. Thanks for waiting. Hey, sorry about that. I no, not a bother. Yeah. Not a bother. No, let's get back to it. Bruxism is what it's called, and it's extremely common. Yes, it's quite common. I mean, it's it's what we call a parafunctional habit, uh, which people develop, and they grind their teeth, basically, usually at night time. So it's, we call it nocturnal bruxism, or they clench. Uh, and so it can be, uh, it can lead to uh, muscle spasm, uh, obviously wearing the teeth down. Um, so it's, yes, it's, it, it can be quite a problem. Do we know what causes it, or is it just a bad habit? It's, I suppose the etiology, the real reason for it is, is uh, not easily understood, tends to be, uh, maybe associated with anxiety, uh, stress, uh, but not always. Mm. Um, so sometimes, you know, relaxation techniques, uh, exercise, etc., can help. Mm. One would have thought that it would be uncomfortable to be grinding your teeth and, and that you wouldn't sleep very well while you're doing this. Well, they actually tend to sleep reasonably well, but um, once once you wear down through the enamel, you can start getting uh, pain in the actual teeth as well uh, as the musculature, you know. And would you grind tight enough to, to do that? Over a long period of time, yes. It can, you, you know, you, you will see in patients who have this uh, grinding habit, you'll see wear facets where they've worn their teeth. And that's extreme cases now. But yeah. um, a lot of people have, have the problem and they will just... Uh, have mild damage to their teeth but what will cause them more trouble possibly is uh, what we call temporomandibular dysfunction which is where the muscles in the face uh, I suppose for the want of a better word are just uh, they kind of go into spasm or cramp from excessive use Crikey, crikey There there, there is a a joint up there isn't it called the temporomandibular joint That's right It is quite complex um, because if you think about it you can actually 
You can, it's like a hinge joint that you can open your mouth, but you can also move your jaw forward, which is quite unusual. Yeah. So there's a lot of muscles and nerves associated with that joint. Mm. Yeah. So uh, it's quite complex. Mm. So if someone comes to you, Paul, and, and says, I'm damaging my teeth because I'm grinding them, I want to stop or I want to protect my teeth, how do you, how do you go about helping them? Yeah, it's quite difficult, and I'm afraid there's no uh, magic cure for this, uh, which is a problem. I suppose what I would say to people first is the first port of call should really be their dentist. And um, there's lots of, uh, as I said, there's no magic cure, but there's lots of things we can try. And I suppose what you would start off with would be the more simple things, uh, like I said, um, relaxation techniques, uh, exercise has been shown to help it with the re- release of endorphins will uh, will help to break some of the the this habit I suppose to an extent uh, and then you know we can use things like splints uh, there are if they're having problems with their muscles you can use uh, some anti-inflammatories like Voltrol gel uh, and uh, do they get fitted for shields or gum shields you know? or anything gum shields yeah splints that they will wear at night time right uh, and that just stops the teeth from coming together is that it that's right i mean it doesn't cure the actual problem really but it'll prevent uh, damage to the teeth um and maybe uh, help to relieve pressure on the joint but you know each case is different and it works for some people and it doesn't work for other people mm. uh so that's really the original caller that that um alerted us to this suggested that some places or some people are now using Botox. Have you heard of that? Yes. Now, Botox won't really solve the problem. Um, what tends to happen is you're using your muscles excessively, so uh, you get muscular hypertrophy or the muscles will enlarge because it's like going to the gym and exercising. The muscle, you build up muscle. So uh, the masseter muscle, which is on the side of the face, um, in some people will uh, hypertrophy and get quite large. So injecting botulinum toxin into the muscle, Botox into the muscle, will weaken the muscle, but it's only a temporary paralysis. I see. Like it, it, it will wear off in time, yeah. and so it won't cure the actual grinding. Yeah. And you've, you've mentioned that now, now twice. Like, is there a way, Paul, to get to the cause and then tackle the cause rather than the symptoms? I'm afraid not. Uh, not really. As I say, it's multifactorial. Uh, possibly the relief of stress and anxiety may help in some cases, but others it's just uh, you know a habit that they've developed uh, and almost impossible to uh, completely uh, you know cure mm. the the uh, the bruxism. That's most unfortunate, isn't yeah. it? And yeah. particularly if it's stress related. I mean, yeah, <laughs> the fact that you do it yourself, the fact the fact that you do it alone will stress you out. Exactly. Well. Um, yes, but, you know, as I say, you know, using some of those, I mean, people don't always buy into that, but um, definitely we would find if if you can use some stress-relieving uh, methods, it will help yeah. um, in some cases, not all, yes, yes. or, or, or help, help, help to reduce the severity of it. And all sorts of things, you know, that help them, whatever helps is worth doing. Unfortunately, we have no magic cure for it, as I say. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so suppose, well, well, if you, if you can't get to the, if you can't get to the source of the problem, then that doesn't yeah. surprise me. There isn't an actual cure. Few people contacting us, Paul. Uh, David through WhatsApp said, "I've recently been diagnosed with this. Is it associated with tinnitus? Because they seem to go together with me." In some cases, yes. I mean, as I say, it's quite a complex condition. So there are all sorts of symptoms. Some people get headaches. Um, so we're now getting into kind of the realms of temporomandibular joint dysfunction that it's it's a whole uh spectrum of 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 uh presentations if you like mm. um so not everybody who grinds is going to get tmd and not everybody who has tmd will ha- will have a problem with bruxism <laughs> so it, it's it's uh it's not terribly well understood overall, to be honest, um, the exact etiology of it. Yeah. Can it be associated with eating too late at night and developing indigestion as a result? That's another question. That I don't know, being absolutely honest. I doubt it, but uh, I don't think so. Okay. Um, Denise, what is habit reversal? I was told to try that. Yeah, I, I suppose you're into, like... Uh, Things like cognitive behaviour therapy, um, maybe seeing a uh, psychologist who can help mm-hmm. with with that. I mean, all that sort of stuff works really well, to be honest, for this uh, to help. Re- you may not completely uh, stop the the bruxing, but uh, anything that will help to release stress, anxiety, um, is likely to help. And you know, finally, Paul, that. I was talking about, you know, you're sharing a bedroom or a bed with a person who who does this. Aren't they aware of it? Yes, they will be able to. In in some cases, yes, you will hear the grinding. No, no, I mean the person who's sleeping. Will they be aware of it? I don't know. Grinding while they're sleeping? No, I wouldn't think so. I don't know for sure, but I doubt it. I think, yeah, I think it's just something that will have developed over a period of time Mm. and it'll become normal for them. Uh, You know, we would provide some patients with splints that will help to um, reduce the damage to their teeth and they'll often grind right through the splint yeah. over a period of time. Oh, and then um, you're going to sleep as well with something in yeah, your mouth which, yeah. which can't be too comfortable either. Paul, well, I think the first port of call is, your, is definitely your dentist. Definitely your general dentist should be able to help. They won't, because it's such a complex condition, uh, I'm afraid they won't have a magic cure, but I'm sure they can help um, advise and, and and try some of these more simple techniques first, you know. Okay, listen Paul, thank you very much for your time. Uh, there is no simple answer here. Thank you. Paul Brady, consultant oral surgeon at the dental hospital here in Cork. Bruxism, grinding of teeth. You can damage your teeth, you can damage your jaws, the muscles in your jaws. And there is no known cause. They think it's stress-related, but they don't actually know the cause. And because they don't actually know the cause, getting to an actual cure is ten times harder. Uh, Monica, uh, the TikTok doctor who was on at me a few weeks ago, Monica says doctors can also deal with bruxism. Paul confirmed that some dentists or some people do use Botox, but all Botox does is weaken the muscles in the jaw for a little while so... It, 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 they will; those muscles will grow back again. It's an unfortunate situation to be in, and you can break your teeth, and you can you can grind so hard you grind down the enamel of your teeth, and then you're going into the soft part. Ugh. Oh, the thought of it! Thankfully, it has never, ever been a thing in my house. I don't know anybody in my house who's grinded their teeth while they were sleeping. 
but it's an awful thing. And it's a very unfortunate thing that there is no specific cause. They think it's stress-related. There's no specific cause and therefore almost impossible to find a cure. Kevin, I grind my teeth fierce bad. I'm aware of it sometimes. And I notice it now in my five-year-old girl. That's a WhatsApp message from Kevin. And well, Kevin, if it's, wor- if it's worrisome, I'd say the first protocol is probably your dentist. 1850-715-996. Love this. Yesterday, I was in a shop in Ballancolig, and they were unfortunately able to take card payments when I reached the counter. I left my things and headed for the ATM, but the shop assistant ran after me to say that the man behind me had paid for my things. It was about 15 euros worth. He didn't want her to tell me, but she said she had to. Turns out he'd gotten some good news and decided to pass on his happiness. On the off chance he hears this, he should know he made my day. Isn't that lovely? And if you were that man who did that in Ballancolig yesterday, uh, give yourself a, a large pat on the back. Twasn't around the time after the match, was it, that he was an England supporter? It was just, no, it wasn't, of course. I heard something else about that recently. Someone else did it in a Lidl where the person was on the conveyor belt behind them. And this guy had his groceries in front and on the conveyor belt behind them, she was fumbling through her purse, couldn't find a card, was trying to fish out a bit of cash. And the man in front clearly saw that the person behind him was a little bit distressed and she was just on the point of picking up the pint of milk and the half dozen eggs and a loaf of bread or whatever to put them back on the shelves and say, I'll come back later. And he said, that's all right. I got that. Decency, eh? You can't beat it. 1850 715996. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy made premium spread. 100% natural. And made in Cork using West Cork cream. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. On a Thursday afternoon, we like to do some throwbacks, dig out those old school tunes, go back to the days where you had questionable fashion sense. And I want to send you off to Galway for two nights too. See you from 12 on Cork's. On Cork's 96FM. Carol was on about the bins. Uh, This is interesting. Carol says, Hi PJ, in connection with the bins, that legislation is now the European norm. In other countries, you ring them, letting them know you have an extra bag with the bin. That allows them to judge their day's work. Everything's calculated now. If at the same time everyone put out an extra bag, then they can't finish on time. Okay, I'll take it that that's the explanation. I'm thinking in terms of the bin, the bin men who were built like small brick outhouses when I was growing up, who just picked bin and all up on their back and horsed it into the back of a truck. There was no electric hoppers or hydraulic lifts to help them. And I'm wondering how you can't slide the, the wheelie bin into the electronic hydraulic thing that tips it up and at the same time, just horse the bag into the hopper off the ground. I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering why that could... Look, that's the explanation, according to Carol. Everything's calculated, and if you put out extras with your bin, it slows them down and makes their day more difficult. OK. Uh, our collection's on Monday, PJ. It's a high rental area. Some go out Friday night for Monday. Wow. Bins are usually overfilled. No fines. I'd be very annoyed if I was that bin opener. This is referring 
to the story in the paper. 1850-715-996. Pat Falvey started a thing a few years ago called the Forever Young Club. There's that Pat Falvey. And during the pandemic, it has taken off. A bit like everything Pat Falvey puts his hand to, or has put his hand to in the last God knows how long, it has taken off uh, at a point where it's now a massive thing and growing. The Forever Young Club. We'll talk about it to Pat next. 1850 715 Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Rising Irish outfit by Curious will be live at Wintrop Avenue this October 9th. By Curious are touring their debut album Reconstructed, which is due out at the end of July, and tickets are on sale from Monday, July 12th from cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. Mick Flannery and Susan O'Neill are releasing a new album together in the game and both will perform a launch show at the Opera House taking place on Friday, October 22nd. Tickets are on sale now from CorkOperaHouse.ie Access All Areas Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition or any live streaming events coming up in Cork by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie 
Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on side On Cork's 96FM. There's Pat now. Pat, since we spoke last, I haven't had the opportunity to send a personal condolences and the condolences of the team on the loss of Dad. So we'll start by doing that. Good morning. Good morning. And by the way, PJ, thanks very much for that. Uh, I really appreciate it. You know, it's a terrible thing to both lose your mum and your dad within five months, but yeah. they, they were great people. Yeah, yeah. We're talking, of course, for people who wouldn't know, uh, the late Tim, former Lord Mayor of Cork, was Pat's, was Pat's dad. Pat, tell me about the Forever Young Club. You started it when you turned 50. Yeah, well, like, basically, it started quite easy. It's because I met a 79-year-old, or an 85-year-old, very 79-year-old girlfriend in the Himalayas, and I realised that one day I'd be getting older myself. And what it was all about, really, is that in life, uh, if you look at all of us, by the time we get to 80, 50% of, of everyone we know will be dead and 50% will be geriatrics. So I wanted to create a club that um, would give a healthy, sustainable lifestyle from an age, right, okay, like b- before that, so that we can get into our life and enjoy, you know, getting out there, doing stuff and becoming part of a tribe. And this is part of a tribe for, like, for the 50 plus that they can actually get up, get out, get fish at no matter what level they're at, like whether they're walking an hour a day or a couch potato. And it's taken off like tremendously over the last couple of years. And now we have uh, a director of it, Jim Carwin from America, who lives in Ireland. Uh, he's, he's Irish originally. And um, yeah, it's it, like it, it's flying. Like this week we were out on the skelly with a group. We were at the Blaskets. We were, you know, doing some of the Kerry Way. So it's it, like it's phenomenal success coming from Coach Potato to the fact that people are doing stuff. Yeah, yeah the first thing people w- would ask, Pat, is if I'm going to go out anywhere with Falvey, I'm going to need to be as healthy as Red Rum. <laughs> no, this is actually, you know, built for the fact of it's a legacy piece that I want to leave. We hope to have about two, two million members worldwide. Uh, you know, by the time hopefully I reach 80, if I reach 80. And it's about showing people, you know, that they can do stuff at any point of their life. And it's at a level, at their level. You know, like we have four or five different levels that people can join in. One is a couch potato that just wants to go out and do a few thousand steps a day. Uh, It's at a pace, at their pace. Like the platform... We have presently a 100-day challenge going on at the moment, which is just platform-based, that anyone can sign into and uh, join, or they can just join the newsletter where they'll get stuff as an ongoing basis from here on in. And they can join in and out of the different adventures or the different stuff that we'll be doing. And this could be just walking around Cork City. It's about getting people you know, into the mindset of staying fit, staying fit. Why do you think it took off uh, in such numbers during lockdown? Well, I think if you look at it, lots of people are turning to going out walking or trying to keep themselves healthier. I think if you look at um, how does the outdoors benefit our mental health, and I think this was a huge one uh, for us. It was, you know, that once people started, you know, like they started watching Netflix and things like that and the kids were stuck inside. But 
staying on the outdoors and doing any form of exercise, even if it's for five or ten minutes, it reduces the stress and the anxiety. And people are completely freaked out at the moment, like with anxiety and stress of this. We're, we're, we're going to be a year and a half literally on lockdown, like by the time people travel. And, you know, depression was a huge thing. And this is what we've seen coming up with people. If it's a case people breathe and get out, like it lowers the risks of depression. And it improves, you know, like people have lost, a lot of people, like their self-confidence have been affected. So it boosts the self-confidence as well. And most importantly, by the way, it, it lifts your mood if it's the case you're doing stuff or part of a tribe. You're part of people that are doing stuff. You are the average of the five people you hang around with. So if you hang around with people that's just in the pub all the time, that's what you'll end up as the average. If you hang around with people that are interested in their physical health, you'll end up with good physical health. Mm. So that's basically the, you know, the reason uh, why I've, you know, got involved in this big time. And, you know, we're forming a tribe now, like we're lots and lots of people and, you know, are, are into it. Mm. Even the likes of yourself, PJ, like you will find yourself, if it's a case you're part of this tribe, that you will actually start to do more because it's, other people that you're part of are doing more and you'll do more too. Yeah, you, you do what those around you are doing. Yeah, it, it, like it, you are the average of the five people that you hang around with or that you're associated with. That's not an expression I've ever heard before, Pat. It's a new one on me. You are the average of the people you hang around with. Go, go into that one a bit. And that can apply whether you're, whether you're 55 or 25. Yeah, like, you know, if you look at it, like people often say, well, it's the best time to plant a tree. Some people say 20 years ago, but if you didn't plant it 20 years ago, now is the time. So you're in that, like people are in that bracket. So you are the average of the five people you're hanging around with. If you, if you, if you, if you for instance, go to the pub every night, you will become the average of those five people. You just meet your friends in the pub every night. If it's a case like that you're of uh, an, ec- an economical, you know, um, group that you hang around with. You will hang around with the average of the five of that. So it's the same when you come to your health. By the way, which is the most important aspect for everyone. Nobody, and and, and if we look at this on the average, uh, people live six bad years of their life if it's the case they live into their elder years. In other words, people disimprove. If it's a case that you start working on it now, or even if you start working when you're 70s, you're going to actually feel better. Mm. And by doing things, you know, like just getting up, like, you know, it hasn't got to do with going out, like, and running up a mountain or anything like that. This, this club has the ability to help people come from any situation they're in and just get healthier or fitter. You could be just sitting on a couch, our thing there would be get you up off the couch and get a walk around the garden, walk out. Because when you breathe and when you're out in the outdoors, the benefits that I spoke about earlier will all improve. And more and more people are looking for that now. Like we've gone to the stage like where um, people want to do stuff. People want to do stuff with their children. Like mm-hmm. it could be like me, like with my grandchildren. It could be, you know, with with, with, with our friends. And to and to enjoy life, like and you can enjoy life doing anything. But I think if you're healthy, it'll make a big difference. But if you start training to be healthy, mm. and this might only be doing something small, well then it will improve your whole outlook on life. Mm. And my my whole thing with that, 
And as you know, like I come from Grana Braher, but uh, my whole thing is uh, like a child that was in a, a, t- a townhouse in Grana Braher would, I'd love to be part of the movement that will help millions and millions of people all around the world. Yeah. I think what a lot of people struggle with, Pat, and is, is the motivation. In other words, they're sitting at home and they know, they know, and this again applies to any age, they know that they should be doing more for their health. They know that they should be doing more to get out. They know that they should be, you know, moving more and whatever. But they just couldn't be bothered. How do you get over that hurdle? Because that's the highest hurdle you'll ever jump. They just couldn't be bothered. Yeah, it is. And you know what? I understand that quite well. And you know what's wrong with people like that? They don't want it enough. And if it's the case that you're really concerned about your health and stuff like that, you've got to want it. There's no use in saying, like, you know, that you're going to do stuff and then half of you doesn't want to do it. Um, you know, and and when you look at your health and you, like, I, I think what people should be doing is looking at 10 years down the road, 12 years down the road. Look, if you don't do it, look at someone that's not healthy. Look at someone that's, you know, not moving. This is all about moving, you know, and and actually getting your body ready for getting older, for getting your body ready and your mind ready for being positive, for, um, you know, like you you, you could be thinking there, right, okay, that if it's a case that you don't get healthy, right, and when I say healthy now, and I'm talking about only moving, it could be an hour a day. Mm. That's all. And it could be on your phone walking around the house or walking outside. We want to get people up off of that couch. We want people to actually feel like that they can do something because the, the worst situation is that they do nothing. Mm. You know, And if they do nothing, that's also doing something. And But I want people to think of the fact if you do nothing – you know, you're not going to be as agile, as fit, as mentally prepared uh, in your latter years than as if you do something. You know, and you could be something very, 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 very small. And like we have levels, like as I said in the club, like we're doing a hundred day challenge at the moment. Well, what's that about? Well, it, it, it's a format where the where the join. Um, this is a product, right? Okay, where they join like for a hundred days, and they get. The, the platform where they're told and they try to work at doing something every day. And it could be for someone that's walking an hour, like their targets are, if you're walking an hour now, it's after the 100 days that you're, you could be walking, say, five hours. Now, that's nothing in, like in a month, but then you have up to the fact of your own personal development as well, that you could be climbing mountains, you could be going on treks to the Camino, you could be just coming down to Kerry and doing a Kerry Way like where you're going to do 10 or 15 kilometers and you can be doing that with your friends or your partners um, that you're also going to encourage. And you know what we have a lot of at the moment? We have a lot, we have a lot of younger people buying it for their parents. Like some people are on their own at the moment and they want to become part of a tribe. And it's a mindset thing. Mm. Like getting healthy is a mindset. Getting healthy is a habit. It's the same as brushing your teeth. Like if you decide that you're going to do a half an hour a day, an hour a day, it takes about 100 days to form that habit. But mm. when you form the habit, you'll feel guilty about not actually fulfilling that habit, the same as brushing your teeth, going to the toilet. You know, there's certain things we do in a day. And if we can actually help people to form this as a habit, 
they will keep going for the rest of their lives, you know, doing this, you mm. know, and not feeling that they should have done it. They'll just do it. They'll just do it. And by the time they've done the 100 days, it'll be automatic. It'll be part of them. So on day 101, they'll do it again, almost like muscle memory. Yeah, and the thing with that, remember, they have to, you have to want to do it. You have to want to get your mind in order. You have to want to get physically he- healthy. And it's not a big effort. It's not about, like, running up mountains. It's about movement. Like, say, for instance, at the moment now, as I'm standing here, I'm just walking around the house and I'm putting up steps, you know, in relation to keeping myself fit. Mm. And that's walking around the house. It's like, you know... Everybody can do something, you know, to get fitter. And, and and again, like, this is all about mindset. It's about forming that positive mindset. But when you think about what the future is, and then you say, if I don't do something about it, just think about how you're going to end up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Very solid advice. So where can people find out more about the Forever Club, Pat? Well, what they do is if they go into the com website, they could just sign up to the newsletter that we have there. That costs nothing, right? Okay, or you could end up on a product. We're doing a 100-day challenge at the moment that Jim Kerwin is running. You could sign up to that. But my whole thing on this is even just sign up to the newsletter and you start getting stuff in over the next couple of months in relation to uh, that. And we will have... Like it's closed at the moment, but like on the Forever Young Club site, in the next week we will have like where you just sign up for it and you'll get advice. All right, okay. Listen, always good to talk to you, uh, Pat Falvey. Uh, if we're starting listing the things he's done around the world, we'll be here till three o'clock. So I think it, at this stage he's got brand recognition. Does Pat Falvey? Thanks, Pat, and the Forever Club to find out more and people buying membership of this the 100 day challenge thing for their parents which sounds like a pretty cool idea 1850 Carol was back on uh, the explanation with regard to the bins let me remind you because I was saying okay why is it that if you put out a bin and it's full and you've got an extra bag just put the bag down next to it or put the bag down on top of it and they'll take it away and where's the problem and Carol's original explanation was everything is calculated now and if at the same time everybody puts out a bag then they can't finish on time. And it's European norms and all of that which I appreciate. Then I asked the question but Jesus, I mean is it that much effort to slide the wheelie bin into the hydraulic lift let that go up and at the same time fling the additional bag over into the hopper. Like it's hardly rocket science. And look, I'm speaking as a layman clearly Carol knows more and I appreciate that. Hi, may I just add by for clarification, says Carol, the bottom line is that it's about weight and paying per kilo. Plus if there's much more rubbish, the lorry also has to be emptied. The lorry isn't a bottomless pit. Okay, right. I st- I still kind of err on the side of being the guy who puts his bin out diligently and tries to shove the the lid down and, and I have been that soldier who's held back the extra bag so that when the bin comes in, it goes straight back into it to start the next cycle. And I often wondered why I can't just put the bag out on top, which I'm sure an awful lot of people would like to do. That explains it, Carol. Doesn't mean I like 
the explanation, but but thank you. Has no one ever heard of standing into the bin and pushing it down? We call it the amazing Bavarian bin dance in our house. I don't know why I call it Bavarian, but definitely the amazing Bavarian bin dance is when Coogan goes, I've, I've done it, goes up a ladder. <laughs> goes up a little bit of a ladder, right, by the side of the bin and puts like a piece of timber into the bin and then stands in on the tin and hop, hop, down, try get. Yes, I have done it. 1850-715-996. Now, Ben Dunlee probably won't like me hearing me do that because Ben Dunlee is all about us reducing our carbon footprint and actual fact has developed an app to help us to do it. Ben, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Me stamping down the bin doesn't help my carbon footprint, but there we go. Tell me about this app that you've developed. Yeah, sure. Um, so it was just my final year project. Uh, so I'm studying computer science in UCC. Um, and basically what the app does is it looks at your kind of lifestyle and helps educate you and kind of where in your lifestyle carbon's been emitted. So it's not to, I suppose, make you feel guilty or anything. It's more just to help people understand, you know, where in, you know, purchases or how they use utilities or anything that carbon's been emitted and help them sort of understand the problems and and educate them on kind of where we need to make change. Because we all do need to keep an eye on our carbon footprint now because with with the cost of of disposal and the pollution charges and carbon charges, we'll save money using an app like this. Yeah, that's the idea of it, that in time, you know, right now a lot of things that uh, don't produce as much carbon, let's say, you know, cheaper or sorry, more green energy sources, are a bit more expensive than like fossil fuels, but in time that's going to shift with carbon taxes, like you mentioned. So the idea is that this will help you understand easily and without much work on your own part to see where you could save money um, immediately and and in the long term. So is it that you just? By the way, congratulations on winning an entrepreneurship award for the app as well. Because Thank it, you. Um, so you just put the app on your phone and then you just put information into it about what you're doing day to day. Yeah, uh, so it's not available right now in the app store if anyone's going to look for it, but that, that is kind of how it works right now in its prototype phase, that you put in some onboarding information to say, you know, what sort of diet you have, maybe you're a vegetarian, maybe you eat a lot of meat, that sort of information. Um, if you drive a car, what sort of car it is, uh, who your utility provider is, right. and it'll take all that information uh, and start to look at your daily habits and, and say when you get a utility bill, you put that information in, and it might use that information then to recommend to you that, hey, you know, this utility provider can provide 100% renewable electricity at a cheaper price for you, and, and maybe you might want to switch to them. Cool. And what are carbon offsets then, Ben? Yeah, so um, basically, offsets kind of have a bit of a bad reputation, um, but basically what it's about is, you know, say I want to reduce my carbon footprint, I can, I can do as much as I want there, but... I still won't be able to get to zero. It, you know, it's everywhere. Carbon's everywhere in our lifestyle, mm. and that's just it. We can't avoid it. But what offsets do is they look at removing carbon from the atmosphere. So I think a good way to kind of uh, look at it is if you have a bathtub, because I think it's hard to imagine all this gas around us. And the bathtub's filling up with water, in this case the carbon. And we're trying to slow the water coming in, which is, you know, us using less carbon-intensive fuels and whatnot. But also if we can open up, the, the drainage at the bottom a bit and start to take carbon out or water out of the bathtub, you know, we can we can help speed up the process of, I suppose, avoiding a climate disaster. And offsets use maybe trees or direct air capture um, to, to 
pull carbon out of the atmosphere. They call that sequestration, don't they? they, 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 they yeah. yeah it, it, it reconsumes the carbon in, yeah. in the atmosphere. Also, the app, I think, encourages us to eat more plant-based food. Yeah, it, it kind of does. So what it'll show you is that eating plant-based has less of a carbon impact or greenhouse gas impact on the environment. Um, and it might advise you, it's kind of not working right now, this part of it, but I'm working on it. It might advise you, you know, some meals that you might say once a week, gotcha. eat less meat and, and, and try a more plant-based diet. And I don't want to be that guy who's telling everyone to, to go vegan. And, um, you know, I, I've tried it and it's incredibly hard. I'm, I'm vegetarian now, but I, I'm at meat all my life up to about a year ago. Um, but if we can all start to eat a little bit less meat, it makes a, a huge impact. And right. uh, the app will kind of help you grasp that impact. Okay. When will we be able to get it in the App Store or the Google Play or whatever? Do you know? Uh, when? I'm hoping to have it live in about uh, four to six weeks' time. Well, you know what? Come on the show again and remind us. I will. Thank Fargo, you. Fargo, really book him in because that's an interesting app to have on your phone. Ben Dunley, congratulations on the win and thank you. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, I don't think I'm the only person who's ever done the amazing Bavarian bin dance. I don't know why I started calling it Bavarian, but I did years ago. This is where you get up on top of the bin. Please tell me you've done it. Please tell me I'm not the first poor clown that's done it in my place, at least. Although one caller suggested it too. That the bin is full. Well, fairly full. And you have one bag to go in. One more bag to go in, right? And so you get a little stepladder or a stepper from the kitchen or you stand on the chair right and you open the top of the bin and you put a piece of timber not wise to stand straight into the bin yourself you just put a piece of timber on top and then you stand on the timber and you go up and down up and down up and that eventually forces the stuff down the bin enough that you get the last bag in I've done it I imagine you've probably done it too or if not you're lying about it (laughs) this is a serious one My, my, my mom got a bin sharing form from Cork City Council She's very upset. She's a country clean customer and she's not sharing a bin with anybody else at all. What's going on there? That's a good question. I've never heard of such a thing. Maybe Carol, who was listening, uh, and I mean this I mean this out of respect. You seem to know the system, Carol. Maybe you could text back and let us know what it is that has happened with this lady's mum. She got a bin sharing form. She doesn't share the bin with anybody. Does that involve a cost for her or what? See if we can help our listener there. 1850-715-996. Fergal says his teacher did this and broke her foot. Poor teacher. That's why I said put put a bit of timber in there. Just something to stand. Anyway, do you know the way you'd have a few kids, um, a few boys? And I'm talking probably here mostly to the, the parents of boys. Uh, as you know, I had a, a gentleman's family, a pigeon's clutch of one of each, and they came together, which made things even easier. Um... But if you've had two boys, and I think this, a lot of women are asked this. I'm not too sure if they ask dads this. 
But certainly a mum who's had two little boys, they'll often be asked, are you going to try for the girl? Are you going to keep trying for the girl? As if by some reason or other, the family isn't complete until there's a girl in it. I wonder if there's also uh, the other happens, that if you have two or three girls, or even one girl, uh, does anyone come up and say, come here, are you going to try for the boy? I, I just want to... And do we still ask those kind of stupid questions of people? Do, you know, do we really still ask those kind of daft questions of people? Chrissy Russell was talking recently about that. And she has a couple of boys and someone was asking her, uh, are we going to have the girl now? And she said, I don't need a girl to make a perfect family. I don't know about how you make sense of people still asking those daft questions in, in 2021. I know they probably come from a kind place. They probably do. But they make no sense at all. Child psychologist Catherine Hallisey, do, do you do you need one of each to have a happy family, I suppose, is the basic question. Good morning. Well, I think we all know the answer to that, PJ. Um, but I think that there's, there's two parts to this. First is just we often say silly things in the effort to make small talk with people and often say insensitive things. So that's one part of it. But then there is also that kind of secret shame that some parents feel when they actually do experience genuine disappointment when they find out the gender of their baby. And do people get it? Of course, you can find out now very easily and very early. But do people get disappointed if it's a boy and they were thinking about a girl or do 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 they choose to find out early on? Well, some people, they do experience disappointment and because there's such stigma around being disappointed with the gender of your baby, it's actually not very well researched because people don't want to admit this. And sometimes they do admit it and they're met with criticism. You know, you should just be happy that you have a healthy baby. Or they might even be criticizing themselves, saying, I should be happy. Why can't I be happy? Yeah. And there are many complex reasons why somebody would experience disappointment. You know, the the big one is that a parent could be, have this rich imagining of what life will be like when they're a parent Mm. and what this child will also be like. Yeah. I I think we all have to, go ahead. We hear from, I suppose, different parts of the world, Catherine, uh, and I would hope, I, I certainly would hope it wasn't the case in this country that sons are more valuable in, th- in certain parts of the world. Uh, and it, it is, is, it, is it a legacy of that? Like, does a farmer want a son, for example? I think there are many reasons why people can prefer want one gender over another. And it's quite interesting, you know, we have the stereotype of the father wanting the son, but from the little bit of research we have, it's actually more common for mothers to feel disappointed. Really? Then, then fathers, yeah, which is quite surprising. You know, we have this cultural narrative that it's about wanting the son to take over the farm. But there are many reasons, you know, um, men don't tend to have this imagining of what life is going to be like as a parent as much as women. Now, I am, you know, talking about generalities here, of course. There are yeah, yeah, we keep it, keep it as general as you please, yeah. Yeah, so... 
And often a, a, a mum might want a particular agenda because they might find it easier to relate to a daughter. Or it may be that they got on really well with their brother growing up. So I think, and they had no sisters, or I don't know how to parent a daughter. Um, it could be that the, the mom has experienced a loss of a particular gender and they may have had a stillbirth and have lost a boy and either want another boy to replace that loss, to help them with that loss, mm. or also actively not want a boy because they don't want to replace the child. And then kind of the last reason that comes up is a past trauma, often a childhood trauma perpetrated by one gender that can then trigger feelings of trauma, re-traumatise the, the mother again. Yeah, yeah. You, you wonder, it's the, the old thing, well, I just want a healthy child. Um, but I did learn a number of years ago you know, you learn these things through osmosis, the questions not to ask. Like, would you mm. prefer a boy or a girl? Don't ask those questions. I know. <laughs> you know, it seems so obvious and yet we say awful and sensitive things. It's like We, we do it out of kindness, but it's misplaced kindness. Yeah, there's positive intentionality. You know, we, we are interested in other people. We're interested in how other people live, how other people think and feel. Um, it's a bit like, you know, asking somebody if they want to have children. You know, that seems like a fairly innocuous question until you hear about all the pain and hurt that is caused by uh, by asking some people that question. Some, some of the, 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 the points you made earlier about, you know, sometimes women may, may want a son because they might be easier to raise, <laughs> you know. And I, I, I do remember... I do remember um, a friend uh, who had, uh, uh, after about three boys, had a son or a girl, right? And when the girl was about four, to, in answer to the question, how are you getting on? Give me ten boys. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's a lot of it is about our imaginings of children. Yeah. You know, and I think for all of us parents, we all have to grieve the idealized image we had of what we would be like as parents and what our children would be like. Because I'm telling you now, I was always going to be really calm and my children were always going to be really well behaved and my house would always be clean. And then you it know? happened. Yeah. And you have to grieve all these things. Yeah, and we, for some people, that's just an ordinary grief. But for other people, it's the the disappointment, the disillusionment is much stronger and they may actually need support from a professional to help them through. Really? Really? Yep, especially wow. because it's a secret grief. Because we all know you should be grateful for a healthy child. Mm. And it's a secret grief. Often people can't even tell their partner that they feel disappointment. And what happens then is that it can actually impact your relationship with your child. You know, so if you're preoccupied with your own feelings and if it's a secret feeling, we tend to be more preoccupied with it because we have to put a lot of energy into hiding it. Mm. And then it can be, if, if you're preoccupied with both feeling this feeling and hiding this feeling, it's then harder to be emotionally available for the child in front of you. Yeah. to be attuned to them, to delight in them. Do you think, Catherine, that 
you know, the way technology is now, as I mentioned earlier, you, you can find out quite early on uh, the, mm-hmm. the gender of the baby. Do you think that that's actually adding to the stress for some people? Because if somebody was, you know, looking forward to having a son and then they discover at the scan, well, actually you're having a daughter, the negativity can set in there and then. There are two schools of thought on this. So for some people, they say that it's better to find out early so you can get over the disappointment. And then, you know, you worked through it and processed it and then the baby arrives and you're able to be present. And for other people, they say, well, actually, that's more about the idea of a child. And that if you find out in the labour room and delivery room, you're just so delighted to have a baby, it can dissipate, you know, that illusion that you had of, of this idealised child. So there's no research to, that I'm aware of to show that one is better than the other. Just there, the two schools of thought. All right. Catherine, thank you very much, as always. That's a child psychologist, Catherine Hallisey. 1850-715-996. Just, is, that a, is it a thing, though? The questions you don't ask, you don't ask. You, okay, if someone's had the, the gender reveal for themselves and they know they're having a girl, well, they'll tell you, or they know they're having a boy. Well, they'll, they might well tell you. But the question that you kind of don't ask anymore, is it a boy or a girl? Well, there's a reason why not to ask it. Because they may not want to have that conversation. Because secretly, he may really want a son, she may really want a daughter. And if they have the conversation with you, they've laid their cards on the table. Whereas when baby's born, if baby's fit and healthy and all goes well, does it actually matter? You're going to find healthy baby. 110 questions in there. Thanks, Catherine. 1850 <laughs> <laughs> I'll read it in a minute I'll read that in a minute um, the, yeah, the, the amazing Bavarian bin dance Paul says no 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 PJ it's called the jam it in jig can we just talk the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM with dairy made premium spread 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream <laughs> Cork's 96FM's Be Kind to Your Mind with GP, author and wellness expert, Dr. Mark Rowe. The pandemic has really had an impact on people's mental health and emotional well-being. You don't have to make radical changes to really enhance your well-being. I talk about the power of small, the the small positive changes that will add up to make a big difference. So I think self-care is really, really important. It's an absolute foundational choice by looking after yourself, whether it's your physical health, your mental health or your emotional well-being, that you doing that not just enables you to be the best version of you in the world. It supports everybody around you, whether it's your family, your work colleagues, your friends, neighbours, your community. Helping you through COVID. Helping you through COVID. Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Last week we were talking about a horrible act of vandalism up at the uh, Cork Harbour View Pigeon Racing Club where a couple of containers they were using as an office were destroyed and their office equipment and their laptop, a very specialised laptop and carrier boxes for pigeons were destroyed. It happened on, on Bonfire Night and we were talking to John Paul Doherty from the uh, 
from the club. Uh, Councillor Mick Nugent of, of Sinn Féin, Mick, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, PJ. You've managed to, to sort something out for them, have you? Yeah, at the City Council Sports Committee there, um, Tuesday afternoon, so the council um, and agreement by the committee, there's €4,500 um, given as late application, as I mentioned, with you last week. But that's been appro- approved now by the Sports Committee, um, PJ, so subject to going through the council meeting you know, next Monday, uh, which should be fine. Um, so that's that's been approved, PJ. So I think the, the lads are happy enough with that, and myself and Kenny Collins um, called up them there Tuesday night afterwards as well, Like so they're happy enough uh, with that anyway, you know. John Paul is there. Hi, John Paul, that's good news. That'll Hi, go a long way. Yeah, uh, it's great news, actually, and uh, we'd like to thank Mick and, and Kenneth for the work that they put into it. I know the council's like Tony Fitzgerald made an effort there as well, to be honest. We have to mention all because they all came on board. Fair play to the North Street councillors, they all came on top of us. And uh, I'd like to say, PJ, that the 4500 that was put forward to the club from the council, we appreciate that. We, we're very happy with it. Um, we still have a downfall of about 3500 that we still need to get this container, but it's a good help to us. Um, a few small businesses in the area gave us contact as well, PJ. We don't mind to mention them. Oh, drive on. Drive on. Um, we have JD Scaffold, which came on board there to give us a phone call on, the, on that issue. And we have the likes of Ashley O'Callan in the River Lane and Anthony Collins, Heaton and Plumman and isolation. Um, they all came on board with us, PJ, and just hopefully that the Southern Green Homes gave us a mention as well, that they gave us a phone call. But what we're badly stuck for, PJ, if there's any listeners out there, is that we are badly stuck for at the moment is seating. So if there's any place out there, if there's some place that there's a lot of seats stacked up that don't have to be in good condition, it's just that we need seats. Like we had a meeting the other night and we had only four or five seats that we had to right. sit on. Would there be fo- foldable chairs or something yeah, like foldable that? Foldable chairs or anything of PG that might be, in, you know, anything at all. Any plastic chairs or anything at all, basically. That would it'd just be, it'd be a hill to the club just for, uh, yeah. if we just got a few cheap chairs in it. Now, yeah. we don't want people to be ringing in with three piece seats or anything like that, PJ, you know, which is ordinary. I can see know, why there'd be a shortage of them at the moment, John Paul, because sure, every pub in the town has foldable tables outside it right now or foldable chairs outside it right now you can see where yeah. there'd be a shortage so you're looking what half a dozen yeah I'd say we could yeah well, I suppose to be honest I'd say we need a bit more PJ right. you know, we've kind of a big club there so we're, we're you know 10 or 15 chairs we, we'd appreciate if anyone right. was out there must, there must be there must be some of them there's probably yeah. community centres anywhere right, lying around the place with loads of old chairs yeah, yeah, that's stored right. or something like that. If, you're well, yeah, if we can find a few chairs for you, then that's the, that, then we'll be quite happy to do. If anyone's got a few chairs that they're not using anymore, they don't need to be they don't need to be golden thrones or anything like that. No, 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 just no, 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 a few chairs that you're not using anymore that you donate so that literally people can sit down at meetings. And at events, is that right? Exactly, that's right, PJ. And they give, you can give my name out from there. They can contact me. Or they can okay. contact chairs or make, or make if they want to. You know, we'd appreciate it. You know, Very but good. as I say, you know, the three and a half thousand downfall that we have, PJ, we have um, we have removed the container because in case anyone hurt themselves, so that's gone. We got rid of that and we cleaned the place up. You know, in case anyone got hurt there. So we have all that done and we have the underground cable, the electrical cable had to be all renewed because it was burnt on the ground because it was under the container at the time to get electricity. So we have that back and running in the second container we have. Good. So basically now the fencing and we're on top, um, just people gave us quotations for um, a container, a second-hand container. We wouldn't be able to afford a new one. But uh, hopefully it'll all come together. So Good. if there's anyone out there wants to donate to the, the Harborview Pigeon Club, Fair play. Uh, we'd appreciate it. Any notion of who did this and, and any sign of an arrest? 
Uh, no, no, to be truthful about it, no, and we didn't have any contact with the girls either, so the girls didn't come to us and leave us, nor give us any updates on information, but you know, yeah. if he just, it's in such a rural area, and with, I don't think there'd be much CCTV cameras in the area, that yeah. I don't think, you know, that, that that's... Probably just an, another you know. one of another one of those unfortunate anti-social exactly. events. Exactly. Hang on there a sec, yeah. John Paul, I, I, on that one, uh, Mick, Councillor McNugent, Another random anti-social event, but there's an awful lot of them, isn't there? Yeah, PJ, unfortunately there has been um, in the last number of years. Um, I think I mentioned that as well. There has been a number of sports clubs in the area, unfortunately, you know, have have suffered that. And we're up there tonight looking around. And yeah, it was just very unfortunate, really. The other clubs nearby had containers as well, but the lads got, the lads got picked on. I think there was, because they had two containers and there was a gap between them, I think there was... I think there was obviously there was people hanging around inside there, and then for whatever reason they decided to break in and cause all the damage. Um, yeah. I don't know, PJ, as you were talking yourself the other day about John F. Connolly Road in terms of you know just below it there the world surface and yes. maybe security. I mean, this the lead containers and the pitches are right at the very top of John F. Connolly Road, so maybe the council is looking at it, and there will be some maybe cameras down below, maybe that area as well covering the sports pitches needs to be looked at in terms of security and cameras, like, you know. Okay. Um, maybe that's something we could put forward to the council as well. Okay, okay. You know? but at least for, for, for now anyway. Uh, yeah. There's, there's a few bob there for, for the club, but they need more. There's a few quid there. So, uh, Councillor McNugent of Sinn Féin and uh, John Baldardi from the Cork Harbour View Pigeon Racing Club. Thank you both. If anybody's got a few chairs, a few chairs for their meetings, uh, could you organise it and we'll We'll set it up. If anyone's got a couple of chairs, second-hand chairs, you know the plastic chairs, the simple chairs, you put them out for bingo or whatever. Anyone's got a few chairs uh, for the Cork Harbour View Pigeon Racing Club. All their chairs were destroyed in the fire. Uh, could you sort them out for a few chairs? That'd be great if you could. 1850-715-996. Caller says, my refuse collector has been calling for 15 years between 12.30 and 2 but last time, called at half six in the morning. When I rang up to complain, they said I should leave the refuse out overnight. I said the council say not to do that over antisocial behaviour. Uh, but they don't answer that. Just kept saying, leave it out overnight to guarantee collection. You can't win. You can't. You can't. And you're not the first person I've heard say that. Like in my place, up around Coogan Towers, the bins are generally collected, generally collected between 11 and 3. Uh, depending on what week it is. The the refuse week is a bit earlier than the recycling week. Recycling can be late enough. But that's a by-the-by. But what happens is this person was putting their bin out for a kind of habitual arrival time for many years. So they reckon the bins come at, we'll say, 11 o'clock for argument's sake. So they put the bin out after the breakfast, stick it out at half nine. It's collected at 11 away you go. All of a sudden, then, the bin lorry comes at the crack of dawn and the bin isn't out. So she says to the bin lorry, she says, or to people, hang on a second, or next time, she said, they said, put it out the night before. But the council say not to put it out the night before. <sighs> it is never easy, is it? 1850 715 996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, uh, it's on, on the bins again. This one's really after 
grabbing people's interest this morning. The bin sharing form. We still don't know what a bin sharing form is. I've never heard of Well, I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. Paul then says, the main problem with our waste seems to come from fast food and town and city bins, like coffee cups and stuff. All the waste goes in together in one bin. It's hypocrisy when the council is saying one thing and doing something else. Thanks, Paul. This, I take it, refers to the fact that we are all going to get a letter soon uh, and a a big sort of a poster, a small little poster, explaining to us how to fill our bins and how not to fill our bins and what to put in our bins and when to put the bin out. And in relation to what we're talking about, about the extra stuff, wheelie bins are not to be overloaded. The The lid of the wheelie bin is to be closed. No waste is to be pre- presented for collection on top of the lid or next door, or next to the wheelie bin. It also tells you to separate your waste at source, food and recycling. The usual stuff that you'd expect in one of these particular things, but I think it comes in the wake of that court case um, where the lady is, and she's appealing it, she was fined because she put her, her bin out with the lid up and they fined her. And she's not happy about that. And I, I suppose it's very hard to blame her. During the pandemic, we've heard about dr- levels of drinking and the amount of people drinking at home and the amount of people, you know, the amount of concerning drinking, worrying drinking that's going on. So when you pick up this latest finding from the Health Research Board's Irish National Drug and Alcohol Survey, it's interesting to say the least. The number of people abstaining from alcohol has risen considerably, most notably the number abstaining in the 15 to 24-year-old age group. Now, you would certainly hope that 15-year-olds wouldn't be drinking anyway, but we know that they are, unfortunately. But the number abstaining from drink up to the age of 24 has risen from 18 to 28%, and those aged 24 to 35 is up to 19%. And there is a kind of a let's try sobriety movement going on out there, which is an interesting development in itself and worth talking to Drink Aware about. And Jennifer Flynn is their communications officer. Jennifer, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Were you surprised by this? Um, No, we actually weren't because from our research that we conduct at Drink Aware as the national charity working to prevent and reduce alcohol misuse, we have seen consistently over the years that one in three people express the desire to, re- to change their drinking habits and that one in four have already taken steps to do so. So what's really interesting about the findings from the Health Research Board is that it is the younger age groups that are you know, leading or spearheading what we call the sober curious movement, which is where physical and mental health take priority. And sober curious, just so that people know what it means, it's when you question more about when, how much or why you're drinking. And you're not just going along with the kind of dominant culture that exists for drinking, especially in social occasions. Mm. And then we'd also talk about mindful drinking. And this is more of an attitude. That's when you would drink mindfully. You'd be more aware of how alcohol affects your mind and body. And what they both have in common is that when people choose to go alcohol free or drink more mindfully, they make this decision to improve their physical and and or their mental health. Because generally, you know, you... You experiment with all these things in your late teens, early 20s, and then by the time you get into your 30s, 
you 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 know what you can take and you know what you can't, mm. and you you settle down then. But you're saying that they're experimenting earlier and they're saying, well, why why not just not drink? More and more of them are saying, why not just not drink? Because I'll feel better for it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we talk a lot about you know how people can can be sober curious and. The things we'd say for people is to recognize the triggers for their unhealthy habits. So whether, you know, it's an awkward social situation or you're have, you've had a bad day at work, you know, if you can recognize that your immediate response to this is to have a drink, then when it's recognized, you can aim to replace the habit with a healthier alternative. Also, it's about reframing the perception of being alcohol-free. So... You know, for the younger people, they're not thinking about what they're going to be missing out on. They're thinking about the positives that they're going to gain, you know, whether it's more energy or motivation. And we actually have a really good guest blog on our website from Kate Gunn, who's the author of The Accidental Soberista. Mm -hmm. And she talks about how going alcohol-free changed her life. I spoke to Kate about that, actually. I did. Mm. And and, But, yeah. yeah. Also, the, the age at which young people are starting to drink. Now, Jennifer, we were discussing a situation here in the city a couple of weeks back where a meeting of our joint policing committee was told uh, that children as young as 12 have been found drunk in the streets on a Saturday night. But your evidence is that, in actual fact, the age of taking your first drink is going up a bit. Yeah, so what the Health Research Board found was that the average age for first drink has gone from 16 to 17 years old. And that's a really positive finding. But as always, averages don't tell, you know, the full story. So like we know from the growing up in Ireland and from our index um, that, you know, the negative impact in the latter years for people who start to drink early you know, as young as 13 years. So although the average age has gone up, there's still a lot more work to be done in education for young people. Uh, We have our Drink Aware Alcohol Education Programme that's delivered by teachers to students from first to third year. Mm. It's been evaluated by Maynooth University and it has been shown to have the influence to delay the age of first drink. And that's really, really important to us. It's one of our main goals and our mission is to delay the age of first drink. Now, speaking as, as as a moderate drinker, but someone who has never smoked in my life, I remember being in school and I had a teacher who frightened the living life out of a class of 40 of us um, when we were about 10 uh, with the, a thing he did at the top of the classroom. And I vowed that day I would never smoke. We We taught kids about the dangers of smoking. But did we ever really, in the classroom, teach them about the dangers of drinking and are we teaching them that now over drinking yeah well through our alcohol education program that over 13,000 students participated in over the three years you know what our program aims to do is to empower young people and support them in understanding and you know their level of awareness about the potential harms of alcohol but also to give them practical advice you know on how they can say no because the choice to drink or to not drink is yours alone and people need to feel empowered to say, no, I don't want to do that. Or, you know, it's really important that young people are given the tools that are necessary for them to kind of deal with difficult social situations or even difficult social emotions that they might feel as they're going through secondary school. Okay. But the Sober Curious, I like the name, the Sober Mm -hmm. Curious movement is, as they say, a thing. 
uh, and that must be pleasing to drink aware. It's really pleasing. And, you know, it's all about being, having that kind of mindful attitude to how much you're drinking, why you're drinking. You know, the reasons why people drink, it's different for everybody and um, for their motivations to have a drink. But it's really important that people think about it and embrace these these movements, you know, see if it might, you know, make a nice positive change in their life. All right. Good to talk to you. That's Jennifer Flynn, communications officer with DrinkAware. So they're not all out getting smashed every Saturday night. Lots of them are, but many of them are regulating their drinking. So when you see them out at the weekend, you see them out, uh, you know, half pie-eyed on Panna, uh, that might be the only drink they've had that week, or they're not out seven nights a week. They are actually, an awful lot of them are sober curious. And instead of saying, will I try drinking, they're actually saying, will I try to go sober? They're not starting until later. That's good news from drinkaware.ie. 1850-715-996. Kevin says the biggest reason people get annoyed about the non-alcohol option is in the pub, uh, where there's a pure rip-off for soft drinks, especially when somebody is driving. And what's also a rip-off, Kev, now that you're there... And with regards to driving, some of the alcohol-free beers are now quite palatable. They no longer taste like the sluice at the back of a brewery. They actually are quite palatable. The problem is, they're practically the same price. So if I'm out and I decide, well, I'm going to go to the pub now and have an alcohol-free night. Yes, I do now and again. If I'm going to have an alcohol-free night... And instead of having a few points, I have a few bottles of zero or a few points of zero where I can get the zero. It doesn't save me any money. That's a disincentive in the first place. Thanks, Kev. Councillor Joe Kavanagh was in touch to say, actually, the leaflet that I have in my hand to do with the bins was his idea. I launched it a few weeks ago as part of the Cork Against Litter campaign. I assume this is when you were Lord Mayor Joe. Thank you. As some people may not be fully aware if the, of the refuse bylaws and the correct way to segregate and present their waste and the leaflet will hopefully help. And you know what Joe, I actually have had it in front of me now for most of the morning and it's a fine comprehensive little leaflet and I guess at a time when we need to be careful what we're putting out and how we're putting it out it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to have this leaflet in every house and maybe get it laminated and stuff like that and put it on the side of the fridge and hide on with a fridge magnet and that's that's all good, that's to be thanked for I just don't like the idea and I know there's an explanation for that too, but I just don't like the idea that if you've got an extra bit of waste, an extra bin you never know, you might have an extra bin in the week. Why you can't just put it, tie it and seal it and put it down neatly next to the bin and they'll take it away. Why they make a big deal out of it. That's my only issue with that. 185715996 on the Sober Curious campaign. <laughs> um, in the supermarket, four bottles of Carlsberg is 550 but you can get 20 bottles for less than 20. Answer me that. that that's, is that the Carlsberg Zero that you're talking about? Um, yes, the Carlsberg, the Carlsberg Zero, or all the Heineken Zero, Carlsberg Zero, is a lovely drink, and so is Heineken Zero. There's Bulmer's Zero, which we used to call Sidona when I was going to school. But anyway, uh, but all the Zeros are dearer. 
a lot dearer. Like you'll never get a, a slab, you'll get a slab of 20 bottles of Heineken for 20 quid or 20 bottles of Carlsberg for 20 quid or 22 quid. But you won't get 20 bottles of Heineken or Carlsberg Zero for anything near 20 quid. So the caller is right. Yet that was the weirdest thing. I saw that. I was out one night just wandering. No, I wasn't necessarily going to buy and drink. <laughs> I wasn't. But I happened to stumble across Bulmer's Zero. Now, as a man who loves his Bulmers, I stood there and go, Bulmers Zero? Bulmers? Isn't that what we used to call Sidona back in the day? <laughs> call us as we were given out to constantly about our rubbish ending up in the sea and about pollution, but should they won't help clear it when we try. Carla says, uh, I don't drink. Uh, for me, it isn't about drinking non-alcoholic drinks for cheaper. It's about having the bottle in the hand and not standing out and hearing, why aren't you drinking? The country does judge us when we don't. So with a bottle like that, there's no questions asked. Yeah, and that is unfortunate. You will be judged if you're the only guy in the room not drinking. You will. I've done it myself and I shouldn't. If you're the only guy in the room not drinking, then you will be judged. You shouldn't. If you're choosing not to drink, that's, you've got your own reasons. But one thing I do love the idea of going out, if I'm going out with a couple of lads particularly, and I want to drive this morning, or it's a school night, or whatever, I want to go to the pub for an hour and have a couple of... I, I, the, the non-alcoholic beers... The drinks industry will probably say there's this reason and that reason and other reason. I don't care what the other reason is. The non-alcoholic beers, if you're going to get people to drink them and you're going to get people to enjoy less alcohol, make them cheaper. It shouldn't be rocket science. Make them cheaper. I remember being in Spain last time I was able to go. There was a pub near where we were staying and the pub had San Miguel, which meant I was drawn to it every night. The pocket got a little bit. There's a mention of San Miguel. The pocket would be all over that. But there's San Miguel and there's San Miguel Zero, which, by the way, tastes the very same. And there was a Euro 50, the difference of the point. Like, that's what needs to be there. Actually, with all the talk about alcohol on the programme this morning, I thought it might be nice to finish with something non-alcoholic for a change. When was the last time you went into a place just to have tea, but not any kind of tea. A thing called bubble tea, which they tell me, I've never had it myself, they tell me is the new big thing. Uh, Joanna Kang has just opened Nana's Tea in Paul Street, which is a lovely name for a tea shop. Joanne, good morning. Good morning, how are you? This is a new one on me. I know it's tea with tapioca in it, but tell me more. Uh, so we do two, uh, like, few kinds of the tea here. We do milk tea, so which is the original Taiwan milk tea from Taiwan. And I do fr- fresh fruit tea. So, and I got cream cheese on top. So we got more creamy flavor. And I do have, the, like, the cloudy. It's kind of like tea with cream cheese. So, and I'm doing bubble waffle as well. So, you know, the bubble waffle is kind of, like, really popular in yeah. Hong Kong. It was originally from Hong Kong. Right. So it's it's an it's an Asian drink, is it? Asian drink, basically like an Asian drink. So we kind of like bring the new drink to Cork. I know there was few 
uh, milk tea shop in Dublin, but I've I've been looking for the milk tea shop in Cork for a long time, you know. Yeah. And since the COVID nineteen, I can't go back to my home. To my home, I really miss the milk tea. Right. So you decided to bring it to a. You have a branch, I think, in Bray and County Wicklow, and now you, now you're opening Cork. Is it popular so far? Are you finding that? Um, as planning, to, we opened the first shop in Wick, uh, in Wicklow. That's the first shop. So we got like a little like we people. People like people like that. So I say, like, we, why don't we just try in Cork? And I was, I was studying, I studied in UCC before, so that's why I choose Cork. Yeah. After graduation, so I stayed in Cork. Right. Okay. And what's a bubble waffle? A uh, bubble waffle is kind of like the, the normal waffle, but you like, you have it's very tasty. Okay. What well, What's in it? Is it Is it done with the tapioca, or is it just? It's ice cream with cream as other toppings. Oh, okay. You okay. got the ice cream. It's really nice. It's yeah. I saw a menu for different kinds of teas as well. Like, is there an there's a, a classic, a nutty, mm-hmm. a banana rama, mm-hmm. a caramel bis. So the it's it's ba- the ba- what is it, Joanne? It's it's the basic tea and then all different flavors in it. Um, so the Mr. Oreo, the berry mallow, the banana mara, that's the bubble waffle. So which means they are, they were named by different flavors. So yes. the berry mallow was strawberry with marshmallow. The banana mara was cream with ice cream and, Great. and, and banana. And some of them are hot, so and some of them are cold, are there? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the bubble waffle are all warm, like the hot, and you got cream on top. I got you, I got you. And is the tea very milky? Uh, yes, the tea is milky and we got the signature milk tea which is very popular. We didn't we didn't accept that uh, but the signature milk tea like people are always looking for that one. We, and if, if someone wanted soya instead of the actual milk, can you do that for them? We weren't do, able to do that for them. We do, there was origin, like there, there was organic soya beans inside. We made those soya beans by ourselves. Very so good. So that's why we caught it signature milk tea. Great. All right. Listen, but, Joanne. Thank you. Like, like lots of customers, they are looking for like soya milk instead of normal milk. We're still, still planning to develop more items. Great. Well, listen, good luck with it. Welcome to Cork to Joanna Kang and Nana's Tea in Paul Street. Sounds like a really nice idea. Most popular to try it. Cork's 96 FM. 
And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.